the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Today on Ring of Truth with Pastor Dan Sexton. Their redemption is not contingent on the Israelites doing anything for God. The Israelites were utterly helpless. They were in an utterly helpless condition as slaves in Egypt. There was nothing they could do to contribute to their redemption. And so too with us. So too with us when it comes to our redemption. We are utterly helpless. Isn't God's grace amazing? God knew that Israel would be unfaithful. He knew that they wouldn't keep any promise to him. And God chose to save them anyways. In today's message, Pastor Dan will be teaching about how God freed Israel from slavery and promised to bring them to the promised land. If you have put your faith in Jesus, God has freed you from the slavery of your sin. There was nothing you did to earn it. And even though God knows that you will be unfaithful, He still died for you. Now here's Pastor Dan in the book of Exodus chapter 6 for today's edition of Ring of Truth. You know, one of the reasons we go verse by verse through the Bible the way that we do is that way you get the whole counsel of God's word and you hear everything that God has to say to you in his word and you hear it uh, in the ratio in which God says it. Uh, So the things that we see in the word of God, this is how often God wants us to hear these things. Uh, So it's just the good thing for us to be uh, mature Christians to go through the word of God in this manner. Exodus chapter 6, and let me pray for us before we get into our study. Lord Jesus, we thank you so much for your word. And Lord, as we open your word now, we ask that your Holy Spirit would be our teacher, and that you would open our eyes and our ears and our hearts to your word, and that you would speak to each of us. Lord, I pray that your spirit would be upon me to teach your word. And we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. So just as kind of a review, uh, in chapter 5, Moses and Aaron had their first encounter with Pharaoh, king of Egypt. And if you remember, Moses and Aaron, they went into Pharaoh and they demanded that he allow the Israelites to go into the wilderness to worship Yahweh for three days. And Pharaoh responded in chapter 5, verse 2, by saying, well, who is Yahweh that I should obey his voice to let Israel go? I don't know Yahweh. And Pharaoh refused to let Israel go worship Yahweh and instead... Uh, He punished the Israelites by increasing their workload, requiring the Israelites to uh, gather their own straw for brick making and requiring them to still produce the same number of bricks, have the same 
output, but now they have to gather the straw themselves. And so initially, conditions were made worse for the Israelites, not better, and the Israelites blamed Moses and Aaron for this. And chapter 5 ended with Moses very discouraged. Look at the end of chapter 5, verse 22. So Moses returned to the Lord and said, Lord, why have you brought trouble on this people? Why is it you've sent me? For since I came to Pharaoh to speak in your name, he has done evil to this people. Neither have you delivered your people at all. And that brings us into chapter 6, where the Lord God responds to Moses in verse 1. Then the Lord said to Moses, Now you shall see what I will do to Pharaoh, for with a strong hand he will let them go, and with a strong hand he will drive them out of his land. The Lord God says to Moses, Now you will see what I will do to Pharaoh. And when I'm finished with Pharaoh, And the Egyptians, Pharaoh will not only let Israel go, he will drive them out of his land. He will compel them to leave. Look at verse 2. And God spoke to Moses and said to him, I am Yahweh. I love this. I am Yahweh. Back in chapter 5, verse 2, Pharaoh arrogantly said, who is Yahweh? that I should obey his voice. I don't know Yahweh. Well, Pharaoh will know who Yahweh is before this is over. And all of the Egyptian people will know who Yahweh is by the time the Israelites leave Egypt. He goes on in verse 3 telling Moses, I appear to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob as God Almighty, El Shaddai, But by my name, Yahweh, I was not known to them. Now, God was known to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob as Yahweh. The name Yahweh is used in the book of Genesis. In fact, in uh, Genesis chapter 12, verse 8, for example, it says, Abraham built an altar and called on the name of Yahweh. And so the Lord is not saying here, I never told Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob my real name. They don't know me as Yahweh. That's not true. He's saying here, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob never knew and never experienced my power to deliver, my power to redeem like I will show you. You will see and experience my power in a way that Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob never did. You will know me in a deeper way than Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob ever knew me. And for us, We have the salvation that Jesus Christ has provided for us through his death and resurrection. And we have experienced God's salvation in a way that those living before Jesus Christ never did. We know God. We have a relationship with God in a way those living in the Old Testament times never had. We have God the Spirit, the third person of the Godhead, dwelling in us guiding us, helping us, empowering us in a way that those living in Old Testament times did not experience. We have a complete and final written revelation from God in the Bible, something those living before the New Testament times did not have. We know God in a way those living in the Old Testament did not know him. 
And here the Lord is saying to Moses, you will know me and you will know my character and you will know my power in a way that Abraham, Isaac and Jacob did not know. He goes on in verse four. I have also established my covenant with them to give them the land of Canaan, the land of their pilgrimage in which they were strangers And I have also heard the groaning of the children of Israel, whom the Egyptians keep in bondage. And I have remembered my covenant. God made a covenant with Abraham and then with Isaac and Jacob and their descendants, the Israelites. And God is now acting on that covenant. When it says the Lord remembered his covenant, it doesn't mean that he forgot that he made this covenant. Oh, yeah, that's right. I did make some promises to them, didn't I? He's not like you and me. No, when it says he remembered his covenant, it means that God is now acting on those promises that he made. And God will deliver Israel from their bondage and give them the land that he promised to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the land of Canaan. And God tells them what he is going to do before he does it. We have a Savior who has told us what he is going to do for us before he does it. What he's going to do for us in the future. Jesus said, in my Father's house are many rooms. I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself, that where I am, there you may be also. Our Savior Jesus Christ has told us his future plan for us. He will come again one day for us to rescue us and deliver us from this world and take us to heaven, to his father's house, to be with him. And so now that brings us to verse 6. And verses 6 to 8 are some of the most profound verses really in all of the Bible. Here in verses 6 through 8, we have the seven I wills of redemption, the seven I wills of redemption. Look at verse six. Therefore, say to the children of Israel, I am the Lord. I am Yahweh. I will bring you out from under the burdens of the Egyptians. I will rescue you from their bondage and I will redeem you with an outstretched arm and with great judgments. I will take you as my people, and I will be your God. Then you shall know that I am the Lord, your God, who brings you out from under the burdens of the Egyptians. And I will bring you into the land which I swore to give to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And I will give it to you as a heritage. I am Yahweh. Now, please note that this is what God will do for Israel. There is nothing in these verses about what Israel must do for God, for God to redeem them. The Lord does not say, I will, if you will, if you will do this, I will do that. Their redemption is not conditional. Their redemption is not contingent on the Israelites doing anything for God. The Israelites were utterly helpless. They were in an utterly helpless condition as slaves in Egypt. There was nothing they could do to contribute to their redemption. 
And so too with us. So too with us when it comes to our redemption. We are utterly helpless. Like Israel. The Bible says we were dead in our trespasses and sins when Jesus saved us. A dead person can't do anything. Romans chapter 5 verse 6 says, For when we were still without strength in due time, Christ died for the ungodly. When we were without strength, Christ died for us to save us. When we were powerless to change our condition, Jesus died for us to rescue us. We contribute nothing to our salvation. Our salvation is all a work of God's great love for us and His grace. Pastor Dan will share the second half of today's message in just a moment. But first, he'd like to take a moment to tell you how you can receive prayer for your needs. Do you need prayer today? Every week we receive prayer requests from our listeners. If you need prayer for anything at all, we would like to pray for you right now. You can share your prayer request with us through our website, calvaryec.com. Again, that's calvaryec.com or through our church app or by calling us at 410-491-4592. And can I ask you to pray for us as well? Pray for the Ring of Truth radio ministry as we bring the Word of God to those who need it. Thanks, Pastor Dan, and thank you for praying. Now, let's finish today's message. These seven I wills of redemption point to Jesus Christ and what He has accomplished for us through His death and resurrection. Look at verse 6 again. The Lord said, I will bring you out from under the burdens of the Egyptians. Jesus has delivered us from the burden of our sin. In Matthew chapter 11, Jesus invites us to bring our burdens to him so he can take them from us. He says, come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I'm gentle and humble and heart, and you will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Jesus says, Bring your burdens to me. Bring your burdens to me. If you're burdened by life, if you're burdened by guilt, if you're burdened by the mistakes you've made, bring your burdens to Jesus. Take his yoke upon you. That means give Jesus control of your life. And if you do that, Jesus promises you'll find rest for your soul. For his yoke is easy. His burden is light. And so Jesus delivers us from the burden of our sins. Next, he says, I will rescue you from their bondage. You know, the Bible says that we are all or we all were slaves to our sin. We were in bondage. And many of us, when we were in bondage to sin, didn't even realize we were in bondage to our sin. Many of us thought we were free. Free to live how we want. Do what we want. And really, we were slaves. Egypt in the Bible is a picture of the world. And we were in bondage to our sin while living in this world. Jesus rescued us from our slavery to our sin, and set us free. And whom the Son sets free is free indeed, right? He set us free. You know, Romans says, because of Jesus, we are no longer slaves to sin, but instead we are slaves 
to righteousness. I like that. No longer a slave to sin, but now a slave to righteousness. Next, the Lord says, I will redeem you with an outstretched arm and with great judgments. And we'll see those great judgments in the coming chapters in the book of Exodus. Jesus redeemed us with an outstretched arm. He stretched out his arms on the cross to rescue us, to redeem us, dying in our place, taking our judgments for us, the judgments we deserved for our sin. Peter writes, we were redeemed by the precious blood of Christ. Next, he says, I I will take you as my people. We are reconciled to God through Christ and we have become his people, the people of God. And 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 10, it says, Once you were not a people, but now you are the people of God. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. Once we were not a people, now we're the people of God. Once we had not received mercy, and now we've received God's mercy. And we're the people of God. John chapter 1, verse 12 says, As many as receive Jesus are given the right to become Children of God. And so now we are the children of God through Jesus Christ. Now we're his people and God is our God. He says, I will be your God. I will be your God. God wants to be our God. Jesus died for us and redeemed us from sin because God wants to have a relationship with us. God wants to have a relationship with you. He wants to have a relationship with me. He didn't deliver us from our sin and then just leave us on our own. He delivered us so we can be his people and he can be our God. Isn't this great? Look at verse 8. And I will bring you into the land which I swore to give to Abraham and to Isaac and to Jacob. I will bring you into the land. Speaking of the promised land. Now, the promised land in the Bible is not a picture of heaven. There are battles to fight in the promised land. There are giants to defeat. There are strongholds to conquer. That's not heaven. We're not going to have any of that stuff in heaven. There's going to be no giants or strongholds to deal with in heaven. The promised land is a picture of the spirit-filled life available to every disciple Of Jesus Christ. The promised land is described as a land flowing with milk and honey. It's a land described as having uh, basketball sized grapes. It's a land of great fruitfulness, great abundance. And it's a picture of the spirit filled life, a life of fruitfulness in Christ, a life of abundance in Christ. In Ephesians chapter 5, verse 18, it says, be filled with the Spirit, and it's be constantly filled, be continually filled with the Holy Spirit. In Galatians chapter 5, verse 16, it says, if you walk in the Spirit, you will not fulfill the lust of the flesh. It's a definite promise. If you walk in the Spirit, you will not be controlled by the desires of your flesh. Galatians 5, 22, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. 
This is the fruit that the Spirit of God produces in the life of a believer. God redeems us by the blood of Jesus Christ. He makes us his children, and then he brings us into a new life, life in the Spirit, a life of fruitfulness, abundance, and victory. And then he says, and I will give it to you as a heritage or as an inheritance. God says, I will not only bring you into the promised land, but it will be a heritage for your children to enjoy also. Our children can also experience and enjoy the same life in Christ that we experience and that we enjoy. And so you have these seven I wills of redemption that point to the redemption we have in Jesus Christ. And again, it's a picture of God's grace. There's not a single if you will mentioned. No, I will if you will. The gospel is about what God has done for us through his son, Jesus Christ, and not what we have done for him. If in explaining your salvation, you begin with I, you got it wrong. He, he did it all. The only thing that we contribute is our need for salvation. Our helplessness. Everything else is God. So that brings us to verse 9. And so Moses spoke thus to the children of Israel. But they did not heed Moses because of anguish of spirit and cruel bondage. You know, sometimes a person can be so overwhelmed and so discouraged with anguish because of their circumstances that they don't receive the word of God. This is why the body of Christ is so key. Because the body of Christ can come around that person, that brother or sister in Christ, who has anguish of spirit, and encourage them and strengthen them and walk alongside them and pray for them as they walk through this difficult season. Galatians chapter 6, verse 2 commands us to bear one another's burdens. And please note also that God still did what he said he would do. He still delivered Israel from their bondage and brought them into the promised land, even though the people didn't believe his word and were discouraged. Now, positive confession people say, you got to believe it. You got to confess it. You got to claim it, right? Blab it and grab it. They don't even believe it. And God still did it. Verse 10, and the Lord spoke to Moses saying, go in, tell Pharaoh, king of Egypt, to let the children of Israel go out of his land. So no longer just asking for three days to go in the wilderness and then they'd come back. Let the children of Israel go out of his land. And Moses spoke before the Lord saying, the children of Israel have not heeded me. How then shall Pharaoh heed me? For I am of uncircumcised lips. Moses is also discouraged. And Moses says, hey, the children of Israel will not listen to me. How then will Pharaoh listen to me? And then he says, I'm of uncircumcised lips. He asked me how I know. 
Thank you for spending a part of your day with us here at Ring of Truth. You've just heard a message from Pastor Dan Sexton in the book of Exodus. There's a lot we can learn from this and other books in the Bible. In fact, if you visit our website, calvaryec.com, you'll find a treasure trove of other messages all neatly organized in a simple, straightforward manner. We encourage you to camp out here for a while and soak your spirit in the truth of God's Word. Is there anything you would like us to pray for? We'd love to intercede in prayer on your behalf. Please locate the prayer tab at the top of our homepage, calvaryec.com, and send in your prayer request through the form you find there. Don't forget to follow us on Facebook, too. We're also just a phone call away if you're not in Maryland. Call us at 410-491-4592. We'd love to hear what's going on in your life. Again, that's 410-491-4592. Would you consider supporting this ministry financially? If so, please visit calvaryec.com to learn how. We hope that today's teaching has been encouraging to your faith. Come back again next time for more in the book of Exodus. Until next time, we hope you have a blessed day and are reminded of the things learned today. This has been Ring of Truth. I see the signs and I recognize the hands that crack. General Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.